Welcome to Living Love, the radio broadcast ministry of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Benton, Illinois. Our desire is to live love to God, to others, and the nations. We hope this week's broadcast will bless and encourage you. Now, let's dive into God's Word and see how we can live love today. Philippians, the third chapter is where we're headed today. Just give you a little bit of a catch-up on some Sunday night things that are coming. We've been spending a couple Sunday nights talking about setting your house in order. Really depressing stuff, <laughs> but hopefully good stuff. Well, we got one more night tonight, a little bit different. Uh, Going to talk about simplicity, that uh, for many of us, our houses, our lives are just chaotic. I mean, we just have so many things going on. And there is a biblical principle about simplicity, about learning to make our lives simpler for the sake of focusing on Jesus. And so tonight we're going to talk about that a little bit, and then just talk about some areas where we could probably bring a certain amount of order to our lives in order to better often and better able see Jesus and experiencing Him in our life. So we'll talk about that tonight. Those kind of three things hang together. Then next Sunday night, we'll be doing the business meeting, talk about a budget and talk about a uh, uh, maybe an extra payment on the debt because God's just been blessing the church for giving and giving well. A uh, couple other little things we'll take care of. That won't be the whole service, but we'll do that. Then on the 21st, we'll be the Thanksgiving dinner, but we'll be doing communion here in the auditorium as a way to begin that. I, I think certainly communion and the giving of thanks, they just sort of go together. So I think that'll be a very special night. There is a, a, a saying, and I've heard it in a lot of different ways, uh, for different forms, but I really like it. It's this idea that uh, I confess to God that I'm not what I ought to be. Present tense, I acknowledge that I'm not what I ought to be spiritually. I, I accept that, present tense. I confess to God I'm not what I ought to be. I thank God that I'm not what I used to be. That I know where I am at, but I also thank God that my past is my past. And then the third part is, and I trust God that I'm not what I'm yet going to be. Now, I've seen and heard different ways to say that, but I like the idea of that, and that's kind of what Paul is going to address in the passage we're going to look at. But he's going to talk about the present, and he's going to talk about the past, and he's going to talk about pressing on for the future to be something different. And the context of what he's talking about, first of all, he's going to use the word maturity. He's going to basically give us a picture of this is what a mature Christian really looks like. And it has to do with how you look at the present and the past and the future. And that's a part of spiritual maturity, being where we need to be in Christ. But the context of what he's saying is also the context of joy. Because the third chapter begins with rejoice in the Lord. And, and basically, the last two chapters of Philippians are all about finding and experiencing joy. And one of the places we're going to go today is the fact that many of us do not have the joy that we ought to have today because we've not dealt with things in the past. And I think that's part of where he's going to head and part of what we're looking at. And so today, 
beginning in chapter 3, uh, starting down in verse 12, uh, and just to maybe let's back up to verse 10. My goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from the dead. So he says, I've had this goal, and I just want to know Christ. I, I just want to be one with Jesus. I just want to know Jesus and experience him and all that I can be. But then in verse 12, he says, not that I have already reached the goal, or I'm already fully mature or perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I have also been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Therefore, all who are mature should think this way. If you think differently about anything, God will reveal this to you also. In any case, we should live up to whatever truth we have attained. Well, this passage, more than anything, talks about Christianity as a process, a place where we begin and a place where in every moment in time we need to be mindful of where we are, but also that we're never quite completed, that we are moving forward until the day we enter the presence of God. This is one of those great passages, Pilgrim's Progress, was John Bunyan's great statement about the, the story of, of a Christian who lived his life, and basically it was a journey, and his life was a journey, and he experienced all kinds of things, and it was a, a great allegory for the Christian life. But the idea is that we live as a process, as a progress toward the call of Christ. And so first of all, there's this obvious statement about how he thinks about the future. In other words, how you and I think about ourselves in the present. And one of the things he says is, I'm not quite there yet. In other words, there's this honest look in the mirror. Karen was in uh, Wisconsin last week for church, and in the pastor's sermon, there was a, a reference to the question that God uses for Adam and Eve when he comes into the garden after they've sinned. And he says, where are you? Isn't that a bizarre thing for God to ask? Don't you understand that God knew where they were? God knew they were behind the second bush on the right side of the path down. He knew exactly where they were. He knew where they were physically. He knew where they were spiritually. He knew everything that had gone on. So why did he ask the question? Well, it wasn't for his knowledge. It was for their consideration. In other words, he was saying to Adam and Eve, where are you? And there's a reality that says mature Christians on a regular basis, every time you're in the worship place, every time you're in the Word of God, every time you're studying, every time you're praying, there ought to always be this mindset of, okay, Lord, where am I? Am I where I need to be? Am I... where?" Where do I need to be going? There needs to be always that spiritual look in the mirror to evaluate ourselves. Where are you? And Paul gives us a pretty good mature understanding is that no matter where you are, you're not quite where you need to be yet. Isn't it interesting that Paul, who now has been a believer for probably 20 or 30 years, who's been a missionary, he's led thousands of people to Christ, he's done all these fabulous things that he does, and he still just says, Man, I'm not there yet. 
And he's obviously come a long way. He's done a lot of great things, and yet he still says, I'm not quite there yet. Now, he doesn't say it in a discouraging tone, but he just understands this is where I am. I've come a long way, but I still got more to go. There's just this sense of humility is being honest about who we are. Not seeing ourselves better than we are, not seeing ourselves less than we are. But humility is just a sense of honesty that says, I know where I'm at, but I've still got a way to go. In fact, I, I like the idea that the, uh, the Apostle Paul gives us, and, and it's interesting that in the Scriptures, almost every great man or woman of faith, the Bible shows us their weak moments. Abraham, the great man of faith, doesn't trust God and lies about his wife being his sister. And, and David, the great man of God, has, and the Bible shows, is his weakest moment with Uriah and Bathsheba and all of that sort of thing. And, and Peter, the great man who's going to lead the early church, also has his moment when he denies Christ. And Paul, in the book of Romans, in the seventh chapter, we have this, this amazing little statement where Paul, for all that he is, says... You know, there are times when I know what's right to do, and I don't do it. And there are times where I know there are things that I, I hate, I don't want to do them, and I, I end up doing them anyway. And then he basically says, in the end, I just have to be thankful to Jesus Christ. So there's a reality that says spiritual maturity looks at the mirror spiritually in the present and says, I, I need to evaluate where I am, where have I come from, and, and where have I got to go, and no, I'm not there yet, but that's a part of the present. But then he thinks about the past. In the passage we looked at last week, he talks about his past, and he talks about all of the, the good things, that he was a Hebrew of the Hebrews, a Pharisee, and he, he talks about some of those things, but he also talks about some of the things in his past that are not so good talks about persecuting the church. He talks about some failures. In fact, he really even talks about some of his religious experience in the past was not really good because it actually kept him from Jesus. And he thinks about the past. And he makes this phenomenal statement, forgetting the past, which means that none of us can be healthy, spiritually mature in the present if we've not dealt with the past. Now, to be honest, what he's talking about in the past, I believe, are uh, things that he has done. But I don't know today that we can talk about the past without also just for a few moments thinking about the fact that many of us in our past have things that have been done to us by other people. And sometimes the things that have been a part of our past literally rob us of joy, rob us of peace. They follow us, and they literally cripple our present and our future. And if we as mature believers are not able to deal with the past redemptively in some positive way, we can never really move forward. I think that's kind of what Paul's saying. So let me just very quickly say that we understand that in any church and in every church, there are individuals who show up on Sunday morning who have things that have been done to them by other people in the past that are a crippling moment for today. And if you don't have any of those things, then you have a great reason to be thankful. But we understand there are 
physical abuse and sexual abuse. There are things that just simply mean verbal abuse. There are people who have been bullied, people who literally in the world are just mean and have been mean to individuals and have done things where literally there are scars of sorts that are part of our past that if we are going to experience the joy of Christ today, somehow you have to deal with the past. And I tell you that it's easy, but it's not. In fact, I The truth is, sometimes those things in the past can be so painful and literally, uh, there's a a verse that talks about the things that entangle us, the sins that entangle us. There are things in the past can be so hard and so difficult that literally you're going to have to probably have godly counsel and you're going to have to have help to maybe overcome those things. But it means that you have to deal with them, you have to acknowledge them. And then really the hardest thing that I have to tell you is the answer to those kinds of things is forgiveness. I mean, there's not, and and I, I hear from a lot of folks, but you don't know what that person did. You don't know how they treated me. You don't know what they did to me financially or what they did to me. You, you don't know. And it makes really very little difference whether I know. God does know. And the only way for you and I to be free from things like that in the past is to forgive those people. And I understand that's supernatural stuff. You will not do that on your own. You will not let go of those things, but literally those things can take hold of you and they can hold on to you. And there is a kind of freedom that only comes in Jesus Christ when we are able to forgive, not maybe not even because they've deserved it or because those people have been repentant or said they were sorry, but for your own freedom and for the sake of cause of Christ, you let go of those hurts of the past in order to be healthy and mature and able to live for Christ in the present and in the future. Now, just needed to say that. I think what Paul is really talking about, not so much as things that have been done to you, but things that you and I have done. And the truth is, we all got stuff that we've done. Well, I have things that we regret, things that we did in the past, things that we did. In fact, that's kind of Paul's struggle here. He's even been talking about that. Yeah, I got some things in my past I'm not really proud of got mistakes that I've made in the past that I, I can't change. And the truth is that sometimes sins of the past carry consequences, and some of them carry consequences into the future. We understand that. But sometimes Satan, who is the accuser, will cause us to, to be caught in the sins of the past. Over the years, I've come across a lot of Christians who have struggled. I, one of the first churches, the, the very first church I pastored full-time, we had a, it was a, a young church. We were in the suburbs of Chicago, and it, pretty much everybody was young. We had one senior adult, only one in the entire church. She was about 75, and a godly woman. She had served the Lord faithfully for 50, 60 years, but in her teenage years, she had a, a period of time where she got involved in sin. And she was still living in the shame and the guilt of that sin 50 years later, 60 years later. Now, she'd confessed that sin probably a thousand times at least. She'd said, Jesus, I, I, I did this and I'm, I'm sorry, I'm ashamed, forgive me. And she asked it and asked it and asked it and asked it. But the reality is she never accepted the forgiveness of Jesus. And she was still living under the guilt and the shame of that sin in her past 
for years later, and literally it was robbing her of the joy of her salvation because of not being willing to accept the forgiveness. All of us have things in our past. That's because we're sinners. And we have been sinners, and we will continue to struggle with sin. I think that's the, the great thing of the Scriptures, that it tells us that's part of mature Christian living. Not that we ever attain perfection, but we're constantly struggling, and we're working. But again, there is the answer to the past, is to accept the forgiveness. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But there is an element that you and I have to accept that forgiveness. Now, the, the struggle with forgetting is really hard. And I, I don't want to disregard Scripture because He does say, forgetting what is behind, I press on. But you understand that it's kind of hard to forget for us. God can forget. God God can intentionally forget. He is able to do that. He's able to take our sins, put them behind his back. That's one of my favorite images. He can put his sins behind our back and, and remember them no more. He can take our sins and put it as far as the east is from the west. He, he can put it as far as the, the deepest of the bottoms of the sea. But you and I, unfortunately, can still remember stuff. But there is a supernatural ability of God to help us to let go. And by the way, sometimes I'm kind of fond of this thing. You and I are not always able to forgive and forget. We can forgive and shut up. And sometimes we just need to quit talking about some things. And, and when those things come to our mind, when the accuser brings up the things of the past in order to limit us and to hurt us, because you understand if Satan cannot keep you from being a believer, he just wants to make you a worthless believer. A joyless believer, a believer who is not able to be effective and work in the kingdom of God. And he will bring up those things of the past to accuse us. But there is a supernatural ability to say, God, help me to let go of these things. And I think there is a connection when we get to chapter 4 where he is going to talk about letting the peace of God guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. There's the ability for God to heal our memories, to heal our mind, to heal our past, and to heal it so that those things of the past do not continue to cripple us in the present. Well, he talks about the the present and how you and I just need to admit that we are not perfect, we've got a way to go, and yet to be able to look back and see how far that we have come, even to the point, and by the way, the, the screens really are brighter. I mean, and plus those big things on the sides are missing, and, and, but you know what? The, the challenge will be in about two or three weeks, you won't be able to remember how bad the screens were last week. And sometimes maybe that's a good thing, that the past grows dim in our minds, that we live in the present. We still need to remember that, yes, we are sinners and we've struggled, but we need to remember that we have come a long way, that we're not where we used to be, that God has done a work and he's brought us to this place. And if the past is keeping us from living for him today, then we need to come to him and in fact, to be very honest, that's probably the main message of this sermon today is that if there's anything in the past that's keeping you from experiencing the joy of Christ and keeping you from serving Him effectively today, then this is the day to try and find some victory. But there's also this powerful statement that says one of the ways we deal with the past is by moving into the future. I forget what is past and I press on. I move forward. 
I don't stay where I'm at. In fact, there's kind of this warning that says at the very end of this, by the way, let's at least attain to where we've already gotten. If I've come this far, don't fall back. Don't go back to where you've been. At least stay here. But what he really wants you to do is move from where you're here and go forward. Uh, Benton Cross Country, I think, has done pretty well. We've had a granddaughter in country. Personal records, PRs, are a big deal. (laughs) You know, I, I ran this fast. And then I, I ran a little faster, and then I ran a little faster, and they keep track of their personal record, and there's something valuable about that, but it's this idea that in Christianity, I'm supposed to be making progress, and I'm supposed to be moving forward, and, and I need to be very careful about being content with where I'm at. Now, we've come a long way, and many of you, if you're actually in church on Sunday morning during a crazy pandemic time and you're here and you're still being faithful, you've probably come a long way and you've got a relationship with Christ. But be careful about being content. In uh, the children of Israel leaving Egypt, they came to the land of Jordan on the the eastern side of the Jordan River. And they got ready to, to go into the Jordan, and, and all 12 tribes went in, and they fought the battles. They did Jericho. They did Ai. They did all of those things. But then it tells us that there were two and a half tribes, I think Reuben and Gad and half of the tribe of Manasseh, decided they liked the eastern side of the Jordan River better than the promised land. In other words, God said, here's where I want you to be, but they said, we really like it over here. They had a lot of cattle, that was better land, the bulls of Bashan, they they liked that side, that's modern day Jordan. And so, two and a half tribes did not go into the promised land, they did not go on to where God wanted them to be, they decided to stay on the other side, and within one generation, they ceased to exist. There is something dangerous about just staying where we are. Now, Paul says, don't don't go backwards, but don't just stay where you are. Keep moving forward. Keep growing in your faith. Keep serving God. Just every element of our life, we ought to be moving forward, and there ought to be this progress where we're not content where we are, but we are pressing on that we're today closer to Him than we were. Every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. There ought to be that. We have a a great song, I'm pressing on the upward way, new heights I'm gaining every day, still praying as I onward bound, Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. There's something about moving forward and just keep going on so that we're not content with where we are. And Paul makes that as a, a statement of mature Christian. Mature Christianity is about growing. So you have to worry about, uh, what is it, the seven last words of any church are, we've never done it that way before. You ever heard that? Well, that's kind of reality. But I would say to you, that might even be the seven last words of a mature Christian. (laughs) I've never done that before. There's something about saying, well, yeah, Jesus, I'm ready for something new. I'm, I'm ready for something more challenging. Lord, challenge me in stewardship. Challenge me in my service. Challenge me in my witness. Lord, I, I've never 
talked about my faith to my neighbors before. I've never invited anybody to to church before. I've never done some of these things before. I've never read through the Bible in a year before. I've never done whatever it may be, but to be constantly looking for ways to reach new places in my Christian life, my spiritual life. And it's almost as if he says, you're never going to know the joy of the Lord if that's not the kind of Christian life you're living. You're never going to know it if you're not dealing with the past, if you're not honest about the present, but then there's a commitment about the future, about moving forward. I just love this idea of, of that's the way we're supposed to be going. And I, I, you know, as babes in Christ, there's the milk of the word. But he says, don't stay there. Go on to become grown men and women in Christ who want the meat of the word. And so you have this simple picture. Lord, I I know I'm not where I ought to be. And Lord, I I know about the past, and I've dealt with it as best I know how, with your grace and your strength and your courage and your forgiveness. I've dealt with the past, but Lord, that's not where I'm supposed to be. I'm, I'm looking in the future. The idea of what's next in my relationship with Christ. What's the next step for me? What does he want me to do? And and part of that begins with just simply being open and available to say, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. What you've got for me is the next step. And Lord, if you speak to me, I'm ready to go. And Lord, if you point me in a direction, I'm ready to go. But Lord, I don't want to stay where I am in my relationship with you. I want to be thankful for the past. But Lord, I want to be moving forward. So today, this is not a real complicated rocket science kind of sermon. Because Paul, I think, is just dealing with really this is what it is to be a Christian. To be sure that you know Jesus Christ. And then wherever that has been in your past, whether it was a few years or five years or 50 years or 70 years, whatever it was, where are you today spiritually? But there are lots and lots of Christians who are holding on to things of the past. Some done to them, some that they've done, and Satan is just happy for us to do that, and it's almost as if we are crippled by the things that we are holding on to. And the interesting thing is that the nature of forgiveness is that's how you let go of all of those things, and that's how you're able to be free to be able to go on with life. Paul understood that, and he gives us this little insight about his past, and he basically says, I've had to let go of that. And all of us, spiritually mature people, sometimes have to stop and think, is there anything in the past that I'm holding on to to let go of? And by the way, if you're holding on to anything like that, just let go of it, just let it fall on the carpet, somebody will vacuum it up later. We'll just be rid of it. It just can be leave it right here or... Or better yet, you leave it at the altar, you leave it at the foot of the cross, you leave it in the hands of Jesus, you leave whatever the past may be and let it be the past. But I will tell you that sometimes victory over the past is very much about how we press on to the future. That if you just sort of stay where you are, you'll get sucked back into the past. There really is something about this One of the keys to forgiveness and letting go is to move forward, to open you up to to new stuff. Okay, Lord, what have you got for me next? I'm ready. 
I want to press on. And as we move forward, it's amazing how we become free of everything in the past. Well, this is not complicated stuff, but I will tell you, it's some of the hardest stuff we do spiritually. Forget the past. Press on. And he says, if you haven't figured that out, God's going to show you. I kind of get the impression God's going to hit you over the head, and he's going to show you. Um, by the way, I have kept in my office for years, I had a, a cardboard two-by-four. It was decorations for a vacation Bible school with a Western theme. It was a part of a fence. And I, I, sometimes I thought spiritual counseling via the two-by-four was a good thing. Sometimes you just want to hit people over the head and say, come on, don't you know? And sometimes in the simplest of things, Sometimes we really need to be hit over the head. And it's kind of that idea where Paul says, if you haven't figured this out, as simple as this is, God's going to get your attention. Maybe today he got your attention. And the, the joy that is in the days ahead is what draws us forward. Father, we thank you for the honesty of the scriptures that tell us about Christians who struggle and we struggle with the past. We struggle in the present. And Lord, we pray that you will help us to not live in the past, to allow you to free us from those things that we might seek future, that we might seek your kingdom, your purpose, your calling, that we might press on and be constantly looking for higher ground. Father, bless us as we go, not just from this service, but as we go on to the next things that you have us and for us in Christ Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's broadcast of Living Love. If this message has impacted you in any way, please let us know. If you would like to contact us, find out more about our church, or if you'd like to support our mission, visit ibcbenton.com. That's ibcbenton.com. Or give us a call at 618-439-3513.